Hey everybody, it's Sean Harwell and this is Never Heard of It Podcast. This is a show where we talk about the movies that have fallen through our cracks. We have a tee-up episode today we're excited to talk about. And let me introduce my other crack. It's Craig Moorhead. Craig, how are you? I'm doing all right, crack. Uh, everything's good on my end. How about yours? You know, everything is not too bad. Not too bad at all. Um, yeah, I don't know. We're, we're in May now when this drops. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, that seems kind of, I don't know. Does that seem crazy to you or does it feel like, oh, it actually, yeah. Like maybe it feels like midsummer already. It does. Well, I mean, that's yeah. exactly it. Like, yeah, we're just sneaking into, into summer. You don't have any of the normal sort of milestones for it. Nope. Like we didn't really have spring break with the kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a beach vacation plan. That's gone. So we didn't do that. And and uh, yeah, just all these little things. The pool will start up soon, but it won't, of course. So yeah. <laughs> Uh, no one's going to be getting together to swim. Uh, I have an inflatable uh, pool in my house. You're welcome to. Oh, that's uh, great. Come get in it when we're not in it, you know. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just let me know. Or you can um, watch us like six feet away. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm doing that already. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, interesting. Hmm. Um, yeah. No, it's, it's obviously it's a weird uh, experience about how time passes when you're quarantined. True. And uh, what better way to pass time than to talk about movies that folks are less likely to have heard of? Totally. So we're going to do that again today. Craig, you want to quickly just tell people where they can come say hello online if they'd like to do so? I sure do. Uh, you can find us on Twitter and on Facebook, both at Never Podcast. Uh, if you type that into the old searcheroo uh, bar, oh boy, you'll find us. <laughs> on Instagram, sorry, on Instagram, you'll uh, find us at N-H-O-I-T podcast. That stands for Never Heard of It podcast, uh, where you'll see, who knows what you'll see. You got to go to find out. I'm not even going to tell you. Mm. Uh, and if you're looking for this podcast that you're listening to right now, maybe you're hearing it from the cubicle next to you. Well, no, what am I talking about? Maybe you're hearing it blasting out of the window of the house next to you, or who knows? But if you're looking for it, you'll find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Anchor, Overcast, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public. Um, And in any of those places where you can subscribe or leave a review, please do, because it helps other people find us. That's right. And if you're in one of those cities where people are protesting the uh, continued uh, lockdown of the economy, you know, maybe you just do want to blast our podcast from an open window and maybe those people will disperse pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good repellent for all kinds of pests. <laughs> for all kinds of social gatherings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that's good. Well, Craig, last month uh, we talked about a movie called Brainstorm. And if you didn't listen to that, uh, I want to thank again, Peter Fedak for joining us and suggesting it. And you know, that made sense because it was April and you get those April showers. And oh, that totally. brings may Flowers. thunder right oh yeah no, thunder. yes thunder that's totally how it goes yes yeah uh so we're gonna do a month of thunder here and in fact uh we've got one title and two movies and that title is thunder road and the first of the two movies called thunder thunder road that we're gonna watch and by the way there's more than just two movies called thunder road it turns out oh absolutely I guess it's just a good title you know it's a good mm-hmm. title for for anything and uh, this one is from 2018. It is a comedy drama. It's an hour and 32 minutes long, according to IMDb. Here's a little logline. A police officer faces a personal meltdown following a divorce and the death of his mother. 
It is available on, I think, Amazon Prime. Although we're yes, it I is. Believe you're right. Yes, I'm looking at it. It's literally right in the center of my screen there. Yeah, it's <laughs> on Amazon Prime. I picked this one. I have wanted to watch this for a while. I just remember seeing it uh, pop up on my radar when it was making the festival rounds two years ago, and it looked like my kind of thing. I've seen the trailer, and I've just kind of been waiting for it to hit streaming, and noticed that it had showed up on Amazon. So I was like, Craig. I want to watch this movie. Let's watch this movie. Um, did you have any awareness of this already? I did. I mean, I do remember mm-hmm. having watched the trailer uh, and uh, especially that that image of the, I believe, a cop standing in front of a coffin yep. looking like he's in the middle of dancing. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's very intriguing. So I, I kind of knew about it, but, you know, it had left my radar. There's tons of content out there and I hate to call a movie content as if it's some can of beans, but there's a, there's a ton of movies out there. And quite frankly, this one kept going on the assembly line and just kind of went out of my view. So I'm glad you brought it back. Yeah. And I was thinking about it almost exactly in those terms of like, just sort of the life cycle that a small movie gets in the sort of public eye. We'll, we'll talk about like the awards this got to actually even reach that, that level. Yeah. Uh, and just how hard it is to kind of maintain that kind of awareness and engagement. And, uh, so yeah, I, I thought, you know, it would be nice. We should throw some of these small movies a bone like this and, and check them out again, um, when we can. So that's what we're going to do today. And I think you are going to first talk about some of the people that made this film. That's darn right, Sean. That's exactly what I'm going to mm. do. Uh, you know, if I wanted, if I could sum up, uh, the cast and crew in one <laughs> word yeah. for Thunder Road, for me anyway, it would be new blood because- Ooh. I mean, it's a lot of people. It's a lot of people who've already done a good deal of work, but I just wasn't familiar with their names. Yeah, I like those kind of people. Uh, yeah, and I kind of like the fact that you know, I kind of like finding those those uh, smaller indie movies that's not sort of hanging on a on a big star's name or something. Right. Because you know? it, it just feels a little more uh, I don't know unpredictable, dangerous. I don't know. It, it, anything could happen. Yeah, it's not an indie film that just happens to have an A-list star. You know? Right, right. Um, this is a legit indie, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So so here's the deal. Thunder Road was directed by Jim Cummings. Um, now, since 2009, he's directed uh, eight shorts, two features, including this one, hmm. and directed eight episodes of TV series, though I didn't recognize the series or, or where they aired. Interesting. Um, yeah. But, I mean, that's a solid bit of work for the last 10 oh, years, yeah. for sure. Uh, plus, he's got two features on the horizon. Um, one is called The Werewolf. And it's kind of weird on IMDb. Maybe this is something I know the, the board of IMDb is listening right now. Uh, you might want to fix this if it needs to be fixed. Uh, his werewolf movie had a synopsis that was the same as a 1995 film that had the same name <laughs> and okay. shared at least one actor from the cast. but yeah like there's not enough information to figure out like is that is there some other big connection like i have no idea uh it was just a weird little uh little hiccup in the whole thing well and that feels a bit like a departure for what i think thunder road is to go straight to the werewolf but you know i mean possibly or things have happened yeah exactly um the other one is called the beta test uh it's a movie he seems to be co-directing with a fellow by the name of P.J. McCabe. There was no synopsis. 
It's all very mysterious. Mm. Um, now, the movie is also, uh, Thunder Road, that is, is also written by Jim Cummings. Uh, and he's pretty much stuck to his own stuff in terms of writing. Uh, nothing in his writing credits uh, is different from what he's directed, including the TV series. Gotcha. So, uh, so great. Generating your own stuff. What, what better way to get stuff out there? Yeah, totally. Um, now, it's produced by another truckload of people. Uh, and which I think is, is pretty standard right now for indies. Uh, it takes a lot of people oh, yeah. to get one of these things through the, through the factory. Um, and I, I think honestly, sometimes when that happens, it's like whatever company picks up distribution or something, sure. they get, uh, you know, 12 people are instantly added to the producer credits. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's like that it's, it's, there's one person who like gets one actor or some location. So that yeah. person is, you know, it's, and it just really adds up. Um, I, I really did not recognize any other credits outside of the Jim Cummings credits cool. of these folks. Uh, but I'll throw them out there anyway. We got Kieran, we got executive producers are Kieran Barry, John Cummings, Matt Miller, William Pichotta, uh, which is probably wrong. Pichotta, maybe closer, maybe <laughs> further away. I don't honestly know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the producer producers are Natalie Metzger Zach Parker and Benjamin Weissner. Mm. And the associate producers are Jessica Kurtwright, Chris Harder, Stephen Montagnet. Montagnet. Didn't even try it until right now, as you can tell. <laughs> Sorry, Stephen. I like it. Uh, thank you. Uh, Jonathan uh, Napolitano, Matthew Nayland, and Mark Piemsherian. Didn't try that one before now either. Could be a, a typo. <laughs> yeah. And I'm very sorry for Mark. Uh, and then there's uh, Santiago Citapia. Um, so, wow. I mean, a, a real army of producers. Yeah. And uh, the movie's here, so they must have done a pretty good job. Uh, we've got music by Jim Cummings. Uh, this Man. is his one and only composer credit on any of his stuff. Uh, our DP is Lowell A. Meyer, and he's shot tons of shorts features and tv since 2010 57 credits wow as a dp in the last 10 years uh the latest apparently is a short called because penises Hmm. so it's definitely a short right it's (laughs) in my experience (laughs) uh editing is by a gentleman by the name of jim cummings uh, he edited a, a couple features yeah. in his, some of his shorts, uh, mostly his own stuff, it looks like, but a couple things outside. His um, hat rack is very full, it seems. Tell you what, tell you what. I don't know yeah. if his head is large enough for all these hats. <laughs> uh, but the editing was also uh, aided by Brian Venucci, who edited, oh God, he edited Lil Dicky, Pillow Talking, which is a great music video. I haven't seen that. Uh, you should definitely check it out. Okay. It is worth checking out. Uh, did Jim Cummings direct that as well? I don't know. I don't think I so. It was, it was, it no? was not okay. on the, it was not on the list. Oh. Um, it's not really a music video for the kids. Don't sit down with <laughs> well, the kids. Really? With Little Dicky is the name? Yeah. Um, okay. But uh, uh, it's, it's very funny, at least to me. Do you think Little Dicky's in the Because Penis is short? Uh, boy, that's a good question. <laughs> that's a good question. Yeah. Uh, and maybe you should find that out. Okay, I'll get on it. Immediately. Um, uh, he also edited the video. This is this is interesting. So there was a video when Will Smith turned 50 where I believe he jumped in the Grand Canyon. 
or something <laughs> okay. for his 50th birthday. There was this whole thing. I'm sure you can find it on YouTube, maybe somewhere else. Anyway, Brian is, is, is credited with editing that as well. Well, I'm glad he got a credit for that. Absolutely. You know? I hope he, I hope he made a ton of money. That's a lot of big, big wigs mm-hmm. jumping into the Grand Canyon. Uh, <laughs> now, starring... Okay. I don't know why I just said starring. Now, here, here is the cast, Sean, and it's okay. a pretty enormous cast for an indie, so I'm not naming even a quarter of the people who are credited with being in the movie. Yeah, it's a big um, list. And I'm I'm wondering if some of that is because there'll be crowds at this funeral that apparently is suggested by the poster. I don't know. What I do know is uh, that I just lost my place. Here we go. Uh, now the the biggest name for me is Macon Blair. Yep. Uh, who stars as 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 Dustin Zahn. Uh, now you would have seen Macon in Blue Ruin, Green Room. Uh, I, I know the TV series Room at One Hundred and Four. He was in an episode. Uh, I really enjoyed Macon in those uh, in Blue Ruin and, and Green yeah, Room. God, Blue Ruin's and, so good. Uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing what he does here. Um, and almost everyone in the top cast uh, is doing a, a, a lot of indie work. Even if the titles I have not recognized, like pretty much everybody in here is uh, just working their asses off. Uh, now, the movie starring a gentleman by the name of Jim Cummings. Uh, That's me. Yeah. Uh, as Officer Jim Arnaud, I believe. Arnaud. Uh, Probably. Lots of indie creds. Lots of indie credits. Uh, most of them, I think, are his own projects. We've got Kendall Farr as Crystal Arnaud. A uh, youngster with a few credits under her belt, uh, a few indies already. Uh, I believe she's she's clocking in at about nine or ten, at least in this mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm. We've got Neekin Robinson as Officer Nate Lewis. He appeared in an episode of uh, Netflix's 13 Reasons Why. And again, a, a bunch of other indie stuff. We've got Jocelyn DeBoer as Rosalind Arno. Uh, she appeared in an episode of Inside Amy Schumer. An episode of BoJack Horseman. Nice. Um, and a yeah, exactly a bunch of other indie stuff. We've got Chelsea Edmondson as Morgan Arno, uh, who's who's going to be in an upcoming Zack Snyder movie called Army of the Dead. Oh yeah, I heard he was doing. Is that, is that is that following up Dawn of the Dead? I think it could be. Yeah. It kind of almost has to be, right? It wouldn't almost make yeah. sense if it wasn't. Um, but that is as much of, of the cast as I went into. There's a bunch of lovely people in there going to be doing a lot of great work. I'm looking forward to seeing them, but really right now what I'm looking forward to is hearing what you dug up for the behind the scenes on this thing. Well, I just want to point out there's an actor named Chris Dubeck, whose credited title in this movie is guy in a nice suit on a bicycle. Ah, man, I wanted that one. I know. I, I like that. It's really specific. Yeah, it's good. Obviously, this is a uh, not a one man show, but it really is a Jim Cummings project through and through. Sure, and that extended to its uh, its theatrical life, which I'm going to talk a lot about. But first, this movie began as a short, um, which is not uncommon. Mm-hmm. Sling Blade comes to mind as as one of those that has made that successful transition from beginning as a short film. And the short was made in 2016. It premiered at the Sundance Film Festival and won the short film Grand Jury Prize that year. 
Also picked up awards at South by Southwest, LA Film Festival, Palm Springs, etc. And apparently, uh, Jim Cummings wrote that short uh, over two months during his commute to his job with collegehumor.com, which is kind of interesting. I don't know. I, mean, I haven't spent a ton of time with that site, but I know they have videos that are known to go viral. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering now if perhaps he is in many of those. And uh, also it said that he sold his wedding rings to help fund his short, Ooh. which, you know, divorce was mentioned in the log line. So maybe this is coming from a personal place. Uh, maybe. Uh, so for the feature, they went to Kickstarter and it began there. And this was apparently that Jim, uh, something that he had uh, done in the past with, with various projects and had some success. I think it was mentioned that he had around 38,000 followers on Vimeo for of his many shorts. and. Uh, that's kind of interesting because, you know, I don't know that we've really delved much in, in movies that have any sort of like social media background whatsoever uh, on our podcast here or yeah. any sort of life like that. So and this one does. And it's kind of kind of interesting. And so this film, I think, more or less begins with what was in the short and so it'll be kind of interesting to see that because uh, and then we can maybe go watch a short. I'm sure it's perhaps on Vimeo or somewhere and to see exactly how that was. But I, I don't know. I, I don't necessarily think of taking a short film as just like the opening for a feature. It seems weird to me for some reason. Yeah. But anyway, so uh, I've never heard of anyone doing this, Craig, and I love the idea of it. Apparently, Jim Cummings recorded himself reading the entire script and doing the voices for each character and then sent it to the cast and crew prior to shooting. Wow. And yeah, <laughs> the only other thing I can remotely think of that, that I've heard of that's somewhat similar is that um, Jared Hess did uh, something similar with Napoleon Dynamite. Like he at least had very specific ideas in mind for how those characters should talk. And obviously if you've seen that movie, Good God, like the voices in that are, you know, they're out there. So yeah, I think that's kind of fun. It's almost like approaching it from a, a standpoint of, of being an animated film. Anyway, so Thunder Road, yes, uh, this exists. And it also played internationally quite a bit. Uh, it was also known as Thunder Road in almost everywhere else that it played. Right. The exception of in Mexico was Thunder Road, Juntos en la Tormenta. Oh, which is uh, together in the storm. It's kind of like I do like that. Couldn't find a tagline. They shot this movie in and around Austin, Texas. Uh, the budget was right around one hundred and ninety grand. I don't know how much of that came from Kickstarter and how much of it came perhaps elsewhere, but still, that's a relatively low number for two thousand eighteen and a lot of the movies that we've talked about. Oddly, it doesn't appear that this movie played at Sundance, which. I just mentioned as a reminder of how freaking hard it is to get into Sundance. You can win the grand jury prize for a short and perhaps not even get in as a feature. Um, But it did premiere at South by Southwest on March 12th. And it uh, opened in a larger theatrical release, although obviously small, in October of the same year here in the United States. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the real interesting story is in the distribution of this and kind of what happened internationally. And I think it's a positive one and a good lesson for anybody like thinking about making an independent film. 
So yeah, they were at South by Southwest. They won the Grand Jury Award for narrative features. So like, I don't want to like overlook that fact and just how hard that is to do, right? So obviously, you've got a good advantage if you can do that, right? Right. But still, he's not a name actor, and that's not. You still can't just make a transition necessarily to getting distribution from a larger indie. And so it said that he got some offers that were around the hundred thousand mark for global rights and so it's just good to i don't know i like hearing that perspective because it's like well that's not even covering his budget and you know the budget is comparatively tiny right right 90 grand so he didn't take those offers and instead he immediately applied for a grant from sundance's creative distribution lab and they were one of three films that received the grant which was around thirty-two thousand. And he said, more importantly, that, quote, they have all this data of what works and what doesn't and how this functions at the lab is that you get that grant and then you share all your data back with Sundance because it helps them build sort of this um, idea base of of what to do and how to get movies like this distributed. And Sundance was said to have pushed him to use Facebook more to target specific audiences because I think he had some experience with that, perhaps through college humor. And so he said that, quote, I knew from previous experience with the short that adults who like Pixar and Danny McBride movies are a real sweet spot for us, which I thought was kind of funny. (laughs) Um, And, you know, if there is something to be said about Facebook and their advertising, it is apparently hyper, hyper specific. Sure. They also targeted fans of the show This Is Us. And he said that as soon as they started putting the festival accolades into the trailer, like the level of engagement on social media just shot the roof. And so with that in place, they then, it's how they just basically started calling theaters and they booked about 40 different screens in the U.S. for just like really limited engagements. And they found it effective to um, limit their advertising on social media to people that lived within 10 to 15 miles of those theaters. And um, he said that he talked to a friend that worked for, uh, you know, a bit larger independent distributor and was told that, you know, their model probably would have been to spend thousands of dollars on ads that they would have ran during Law and Order, uh, perhaps because he plays a cop in this movie. Right. And the thing is, like, that's money that you then have to repay before you really see a dime as the filmmaker. And right. so they didn't do any of that and probably spent much less money and was a much more targeted uh, audience that they were hitting. But the big break came when... They play the um, Duvai, probably mispronouncing that, uh, American Film Festival in France, and they won the grand prize there. And he said he never even thought about that because, you know, most American filmmakers, when they think of French festivals, there's only one that they're thinking of, right? Sure. Yeah. And, but this one is a Duvai is, is apparently geared uh, much more towards actual moviegoers. And so they booked like 10 to 20 screens. Uh, there to kind of play in immediately after the festival. Um, But because they won the grand prize, they immediately got offers and were able to expand that number to about 67 screens. And in the first week, they made over 200 grand at the box office just on that number. So good, good lesson there. You know, they, um, they made over their budget there. I don't know if that budget actually includes all this like social media stuff or if that was done, you know, kind of exclusively with the 32 grand they got from Sundance. But in the second week, 
in France. It ex, you know expanded to 76 screens over there. And he described it as having, quote, this perfect formula to accidentally engage French audiences. It's crazy to think that if I wanted to, I could move my company to France and make movies exclusively for them for the next 80 years. Which I kind of believe, like, well, I'm moving to France. Like, that, <laughs> yeah. that doesn't sound that bad to me. Um, versus knowing that, like, you're still going to have to fight tooth and nail, probably, uh, in America to really establish yourself to that next level. So I, I never actually found a gross for the United States. Uh, Box Office Mojo does not have anything domestic, but internationally, this movie made almost half a million dollars. I mean, half a yeah, half a million dollars, four hundred fifty-six grand, which that's pretty nice return if you're the one doing all of this, you know, uh, on a hundred and ninety budget. So I think that's great, and it just sounds like a really interesting model for. You know, I'm sure wearing all those hats was exhausting. I can't imagine mm -hmm. doing that. And maybe that's not the ideal circumstance, but it's kind of cool to see somebody just have like complete ownership of their product and have success yeah. with it. Um, on the other end of the spectrum, 2018, you may recall, Craig, the number one movie was a complete, complete blockbuster in the United States. Uh, that would have been. Uh, um, um, uh, oh, oh uh xanadu starring uh living newton john <laughs> yeah and uh oh god gene kelly i think, I think you nailed it yeah yeah um, boom yes uh well if xanadu took place in wakanda maybe it was black panther mm -hmm. it was number one in the united states oh, yeah close you were very close. very close uh mm -hmm. followed by infinity war incredibles 2 jurassic world fallen kingdom deadpool 2 the grinch jumanji welcome to the jungle mission impossible fallout Ant-Man and the Wasp, and Solo, and then I want to jump off a bridge. No, I don't dislike any of those things, but it is, I mean, it's kind of depressing. Like, uh, well, you know, the last movie we did was 1983, and I just look at 2018, it's just like franchise, franchise, sequel, sequel, yeah. franchise, sequel. None of those movies I would know. Well, maybe Mission Impossible Fallout feels like it's directly marketed to people over the age of 25, you know, right. <laughs> the rest, forget it. Um, Marvel had a $5 billion grossing, uh, uh, wait a second. No, they crossed the $5 billion grossing mark in 2018. Um, it was the first time that anybody had $2 billion grossing movies in the same year with Black Panther and Infinity War. Uh, Disney earned a billion dollars in 2018 by April 27th. <laughs> insane. I mean, yeah. you can't argue with the motivations for making these tentpole movies if that's the return. Uh, Pixar had its third film surpass a billion dollars at the box office. I did not realize Incredible, Incredibles 2 did quite that well, but that's kind of amazing. So other notable films from 2018 were The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, Roma, Cold War, If Bill Street Could Talk, and Absolutely Nothing Else. I'm kidding, but that's about all I could remember. Uh, the Oscars. Yeah, you remember that, Craig. Best picture. Oh, you man. Know. Tell you what. It wasn't Black Always. Panther. People thought maybe it would happen. It wasn't, Craig. Was that, uh, um, uh, uh, man, you know, honestly, <laughs> like when you said Black Panther, I was like, I was like, that was in 2018. For some reason, that seems like that was 10 exactly. years ago to me. I don't know why. I'm with you. Yeah. Um, uh, so I'm just going to throw this out because I, because I actually think this was 2015 at this point. But you know what? Who knows? Uh, I don't know. Moonlight? It was Green Book. Yeah. 
Green Book. That's yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, Alfonso Cuaron won Best Director for Roma. Rami Malek won Best Actor for Bohemian Rhapsody, the movie mm-hmm. uh, with uh, all acting and no characters. Um, Best Actress was Olivia Coleman for The Favorite, which I still haven't seen, and I'd really like to see that. I bet that's yeah, good. Yeah, I do want to see that. Best Supporting Actor was Mahershala Ali and Regina King, respectively. Uh, adapted mm-hmm. script, Black Klansman. I liked that movie too. So I'm, I'm just, yeah. I'm picking on 2018, but there were good movies. Best international film went to Roma and uh, the best documentary was Free Solo, which is also quite good. I finally watched that one. I think I mentioned. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Thunder Road. I uh, did very well on the uh, uh, awards circuit in the festival land, which I mentioned South by Southwest, but also uh, Nashville Film Festival. I think it won Best per, uh, Narrative Feature there in Seattle, Fayetteville, et cetera. It was nominated for the John Cassavetes Award at the Independent Spirit Awards. Lost to a movie called On the Seventh Day or In El Septimo Dia, which I'm not, I don't know that I've heard of that movie. No. Uh, Michael Stipe of REM was one of the producers, though. I did learn that. So, Seventh day? Okay. On the seventh day. Yeah, it's new to me. Uh, the movie got good reviews. Brian Tallarico of RogerEbert.com, uh, in his report from South by Southwest, said, quote, this is the announcement of a major talent as an actor, writer, and director. It's a must-see, and a studio should grab it right now if they know what they're doing, which apparently they don't because no one did. Um, Anjana Janardin at Sight and Sound for the BFI said, quote, while Thunder Road shares its small town setting and dysfunctional male lead with many an American indie, and God, isn't that true? uh, It distinguishes itself with a highly accomplished central performance and a confidence of vision, putting societal expectations of masculinity under its microscope. The film tests the limits of our empathy. It challenges us to understand its flawed hero, revealing the hopefulness that ultimately lies at its heart. And um, Hmm. I got to say, like, all of that is kind of why I'm excited to see this movie. Like, it just, um, you know, I think we talked about how long it feels like it's been since a movie really popped comedically in like the indie world and not that this yeah. is like on the level of Napoleon dynamite by any means. Um, and, uh, maybe it's more along the lines of the foot fist way, which is what I was kind of thinking, even though comedically, I don't think that's what we're in for at all. Um, right. I am curious to see what this performance looks like and perhaps what Jim Cummings does as an actor, um, yeah. after this, I'll have to look into that. Got some fun facts for you. Okay. I love fun facts. There's an apparently a 12-minute uninterrupted take in this movie, so keep your eyes peeled for that. Is it the credits? Um, I don't think so. <laughs> okay. Okay. But that would be hilarious. So, Thunder Road, people may also recognize, because it is such a great title, is a song by Bruce Springsteen. Now, yes. that was apparently the inspiration for the short, in a manner, and Jim Cummings got the rights to use it for the short when distributing it online. Wow. And he said it took him three months to get a response from Bruce Springsteen's camp. And they had to send $1,000 to his lawyer and were told not to write another letter asking about it. (laughs) So, (laughs) uh, but I think when it came time to, to make the feature, they shot it, I think, I don't know if they were using that as onset music, but they did it in two different ways. They were planning to you know, possibly have it. And then also the reality that they may not be able to get the, the rights to it again. And um, if I understood correctly, 
And I think ultimately, I think it it read as if they made the decision not to use it because it worked better without it for setting up the rest of the film. So if the short was, you know, this opening scene that we're going to watch, uh, I guess maybe it just didn't set the right tone for the movie that then follows, which is also kind of interesting to look at uh, how something works on its own as a scene versus a whole story. It's a setup to a story. Sure. So that's all I got. Um, again, I, I think, um, I don't know, like I, I want to make sure I'm seeing this type of movie, you know, and hopefully it delivers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, in a perfect world, a movie like this, if it is good, makes a lot more than $496,000. But again, it was it was nice to see sort of the dollars and cents of it and actual just like some of the steps taken to get to that point without having to hand it over to some third party and to find success in a completely different country than you were anticipating perhaps. Um, Absolutely. So I think all that stuff is cool and fascinating. um, And I hope it's just a good story. Yeah. I mean, that is, that is pretty much my draw here too. It's, it's kind of a, I don't know if you call it a, a, a hail Mary kind of thing, but again, it's, it looks like a solid piece of work from what I've been able to sample of mm-hmm. it. And and yet I'm not really familiar with almost anyone who's involved. Nope. Yeah. So it would be really cool to get like a really, you know, fresh voice in my head. That'd be fantastic. Indeed. So go check it out. Um, and if not, we're just going to yell at you next week that you should have. Yeah. So yeah. you can save yourself some trouble there. But yeah, mm-hmm. come back next time and we will get into the deets. That's what the kids on the street are saying, Craig. Oh, yeah, totally. Or not. Totally. Always what they say. Yeah, and uh, then we'll roll into yet one more movie. Craig, Yeah. any last words? Honestly, my last words are, are, are I'm just thinking about the word deets. Okay. I mean, I just, it's just like it's locked in there now. I don't know. My mind's blank otherwise. You got no more deets to give. I I get it. No deets at all. All right. Well, we'll talk next time. Bye-bye.